News Radio. This is CBS News on the Hour. I'm Wendy Gillette in New York. President Biden spoke about the need for gun control while addressing graduates at his alma mater, the University of Delaware. Let's be clear. Evil came to that elementary school classroom in Texas, to that grocery store in New York, to far too many places where innocents have died. In the face of such destructive forces, we have to stand stronger. The president will head to Uvalde, Texas tomorrow after Tuesday's shooting at an elementary school that left 19 students and two teachers dead. A memorial for the victims keeps growing. CBS News correspondent Jim Crisula is there. There are 21 memorials here at the city's downtown Park Fountain, one for each of the victims of the Robb Elementary School shooting. There are hundreds, maybe thousands of flower bouquets, stuffed animals, balloons and heartfelt handwritten messages. Vice President Kamala Harris attended the funeral of one of the 10 people killed at a top supermarket in a racially motivated attack in Buffalo, New York, two weeks ago today. We will not allow small people to create fear in our communities that we will not be afraid to stand up for what is right, to speak truth even when it may be difficult to hear and speak. This is CBS News. All right, it's Chris Moore to Moore Pittsburgh on the radio with you until 8 o'clock tonight. 866-391-1020 is my number. Now, I know uh, that uh, many of you uh, get upset with me sometimes uh, when I do my CRT classes and all the rest. Yeah, you, you asked me over the years why I bring up all these subjects about race. You call me and say, Chris, why do you always talk about race? Well, it's because I have to confront stupidity wherever I see it. And if I don't do it, who will? Uh, and so I got these two stories um, from uh, a couple of different places. Uh, May 28th, 1830. The Indian Removal Act forces indigenous peoples to migrate west. On May 28, 1830, President Andrew Jackson signed the Indian Removal Act, which authorized the president to grant land west of the Mississippi in exchange for the lands of American Indian tribes living primarily in the southeastern portion of the United States. U.S. President Jackson's message to Congress stated a double goal of the Indian Removal Act, freeing more land in southern states like Alabama and Mississippi, while also separating Native American people from immediate contact with settlements of whites in the hopes that they will one day cast off, this is a quote, cast off their savage habits and become an interesting, civilized, and Christian community, end of quote. Although the act referred specifically to those tribes and nations of Indians as may choose to exchange the lands where they now reside. And President Jackson described the removal as a happy consummation of the government's benevolent policy of Indian removal. Yeah, taking your land, that's always looked at as benevolent, isn't it? The legislation led to the brutal forced migration of thousands of Muscogee, Creek, Choctaw, Chickasaw, Seminole, and Cherokee people to present-day Oklahoma. The journey came became known as the Trail of Tears. Numerous reports described epidemic illness, devastating exposure to the elements, and high rates of death among the migration paths. One eyewitness account published in the Arkansas Gazette, my hometown newspaper, 
stated, quote, no portion of American history can furnish a parallel of the misery and suffering at present enduring, endured by the immigrating Creeks. Mm, immigrating. <laughs> we would have had a better country if the Native Americans would have had uh, stricter immigration laws. Um, and, and here's another reason I bring this up. Um, on this day, May 27, 1892, a white journal, a, a wow, black journalist, Ida B. Wells, was away visiting in Philadelphia. A white mob attacked and destroyed her newspaper's office in Memphis, Tennessee, and threatened her with bodily harm if she returned to the city. Just months before, in March... Three black men had been lynched in Memphis. Ms. Wells, 29, was a local black school teacher, editor, and co-owner of the Free Speech and Headlight newspaper, and a friend of the three men. Though Ms. Wells was already a popular journalist and advocate for black causes, the lynchings of her friends inspired her to examine the frequency of racial terror lynchings and the false charges often used to justify it. She used the newspaper as a forum to share information she gathered Looking into the dominant uh, white narrative that lynching was white manhood's appropriate response to rape of white women by black men. Ms. Wells found that most black lynching victims were actually killed for minor offenses or non-criminal transgressions, such as failing to pay debts, public drunkenness, engaging in consensual interracial romance, or, as in the case of her friends, challenging white economic dominance. Nobody in this section of the country, she wrote, believes the old threadbare lie that Negro men rape white women. Immediately, Memphis white newspapers denounced Ms. Wells' editorial, deriding her as a black scoundrel and fanning local white outrage. Just days later, the white mob attacked her newspaper and warned that she would be killed as she returned to the city. Ms. Wells eventually settled in Chicago, where she married, raised a family, and remained a racial justice activist and vocal opponent of lynching until her death in 1931. Her investigations, speeches, and written publications challenged racial terror during her lifetime and ensured that critical history, critical history, would not be lost or forgotten for future generations. So, um... These are some of the reasons uh, I bring this stuff up. And don't tell me that I don't talk about all the other uh, issues of the day. Uh, I can tell you a whole bunch. Uh, you you want to know something more recent? 1943, white workers ride after black workers promoted in Mobile, Alabama at a shipbuilding company. Uh, the list is almost endless. I could go on for three hours with this, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, and keep in mind, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. All I'm talking about is some incidents in racial history in America that we don't want to happen again. And the only way we can not have them happen again is to know about what happened in the past. Um, so if you get mad at me when you get your radio show, you can do what you want to. Until then, uh, I will point these things out and not in an effort to make you feel guilty in any way, uh, but just let, the, let you know about American history. A few comments coming in on my Facebook page. Todd says, my favorite host on KDK. Thank you. Shelly says, Ida Wells was also a vocal activist for suffrage. You're right, uh, Shelly, she was. 
Reading her biography makes you respect her over and over again. She is a true American hero. Why don't most people know about her? Guess who writes the history books? Well, Shelley, that's the reason I try to present some of these episodes so people will know better. When you know better, you do better, right? Other subjects that we can talk about today when you dial 866-391-1020. People talk about uh, qualified immunity. You know what that is when the police say, I feared for my life, so I shot him. And uh, basically, nothing ever happens to him when they use that defense. Um, uh, And they also talk about defunding the police. So let's turn our attention once again to Uvalde. Uh, where they, uh, their budget is 40% is uh, sent to the police. Well, they acted in seven to eight minutes. If they had gotten twice that, 80% of the town's budget, they would have acted in half the time, just 39 minutes. <laughs> oh, there's some people out there that just... Just writing some stuff. Also, let's talk about the Second Amendment for a second. Um, Someone sent me this. Warren Berger, Supreme Court Chief Justice. Uh, This is what he said about the Second Amendment. The gun lobby's interpretation of the Second Amendment is one of the greatest pieces of fraud. I repeat the word fraud on the American people by special interest groups that I have ever seen in my lifetime. The real purpose of the Second Amendment was to ensure that state armies, the militia, would be maintained for the defense of the state. The very language of the Second Amendment refutes any argument that it was intended to guarantee every citizen an unfettered right to any kind of weapon that he or she desires. Warren Berger, Supreme Court Chief Justice. All right, let's go all the way to San Francisco for our first call of the day. David, you're on KDK. Oh, hi, Chris. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I've been calling call, uh, stations all morning uh, demanding the uh, uh, pulling the nonprofit status of the NRA. And when you think about it, they started out years ago, uh, they, their common good that they were providing for their nonprofit was uh, gun training. And, uh, you know, the Cub Scouts, the Boy Scouts, the 4-H clubs, all sorts of different organizations would use them for, uh, for gun safety classes. But they stopped doing that 25 years ago. And apparently now they're just a lobbying group for, uh, you know, for the gun industry. So they should have their nonprofit status yanked. I well, can't... well, the convention is going on this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, as a matter well, of fact. Well, how did these radio hosts uh, uh, react? Did they hang up on you or what? No, almost all of them agreed. Oh, no, you know, okay, was, wow. Uh, yeah, no, it's... Uh, uh, I think the only one that uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, well, you don't have the name. I'm just tell what happened. Yeah, yeah. I, there was a Montana station that uh, they were just shocked, just shocked. But there, some of the succeeding callers uh, agreed. They, the NRA doesn't do any common good, and you know there's no reason to give nonprofit status if an organization doesn't do any good for uh, the community, for the society, for the common good. And uh, so the NRA has been just playing games with uh, their status for years. And uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to look into that um, 
oh, what was the name of the Council for National Policy? Uh, Oliver North is a part of it. Uh, Ed Meese, uh, uh, some of the biggest creeps, Jack Abramoff, uh, uh, some of the, the uh, oh God, Jack Abramoff was in with the uh, Christian Coalition, uh, and they're part of it. They're the ones that are basically funding the Heritage Foundation and the, um, uh, the uh, Federalist Society, choosing our uh, Supreme Court justices, and all of the money and the backing is coming from basically organized crime. Is Abraham, is Abraham off out of jail? Abramoff, uh, Abramoff yeah. yeah, I I think he's still in existence uh, in that organization. Yeah, there, I'll see if I can find, I found a really interesting uh, website that listed every one of their members. The, the, the website is, it's an older one, it's probably 10 years old by now, but man, you can't believe these creeps. They, uh, they just pile in there and they, they basically claim, you know, they're like the master race, uh, well, Connors. they know they know power and how to use it. That's that's the problem. And power equates with money, also. Sure. And as a matter of fact, it turned out that they were partially funded by the uh, de Klerk, uh, uh, you know, the Africans from South Africa. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. They they plunged millions of dollars into uh, a PR campaign uh, to support uh, the the apartheid movement, and uh, and and. This uh, was a Council for National Policy. Just creepy. But the other thing I was going to raise: uh, the uh, down in Tennessee, uh, the the state of Tennessee has just come up with a, a brand new homeless law that I'm calling it the Esau Act. Uh, you remember in the Bible, uh, the Old Testament, Esau was uh, forced to give up his birthright for a bowl of beans. Mm -hmm. and, uh, give me some of that red stuff there. Yeah, red, mm. red, uh, red lentils. Mm -hmm. And and so in this Esau Act down in Tennessee, uh, the homeless are no longer allowed to use the commons. No, oh, I, I I talked about that uh, last week. Yeah, that yeah. they cannot camp out in any any public place, the commons, as you say. Right. Yeah. A public and, park or, or anywhere. Right, and and so it's it's you know Esau and the the birthright of every American to use the commons, the sidewalks, the parks, the library, the you know name it. We we all we the people own it, and if you buy a stick of gum, you're paying sales tax on it, and you're a taxpayer. Well, but well, but here's the thing though. You know, when I brought that up, someone called me and wanted to school me, saying that there is a growing movement of people who don't want to live in houses, and they live in vans, and they may park in a public park. Uh, or something like that, and uh, th that's why these laws are coming up against them, uh, because some of these folks just want to be out there in vans and camping, and and they want to live a nomadic lifestyle. So, well, they, you know, the uh, the bigots that stole the, you know, the uh, subprime uh, scandal of what's it, twelve years ago now, mm -hmm. fourteen years ago, those guys stole forty million houses. The uh, 60 Minutes did a piece on the subprime scandal where they showed that Bank of America was had a whole room of people forging signatures, and they forged as many as 20,000 signatures every day wow. for years. Yeah, and, and so they stole 40 million houses. And for that jerk that was telling you that people want to live that way, that's nonsense. 
You know, there's uh, how many people, and then of all of the deeds, they got bundled up and sold mysteriously as, you know, thousands of deeds for, you know, cash transaction. We don't know if the Saudi Arabians own it. We don't know if organized crime owns it, but they've been turned into Airbnb, and there's just no way in the world that people are going to be able to afford an Airbnb rent. Uh, when in fact they used to pay a you know a couple of hundred bucks a month for rent on a house, and even the Trump administration in 2018 did a homeless study that showed that there are 57 empty units for every homeless person. Wow! And and so that's that's why so many squatters are taking over places in in the towns where you live, like San Francisco, right? Oh yeah, but there's a been a long squatter movement out here for you know, a century and a half. You know, it's it's just been preposterous out here. But the thing last thing I was gonna raise was um, you know, and not only do you lose your uh, ability to use the commons, but you can get a six year term in for as a felony and then lose your right. Mm -hmm. So it's the birthright of the commons and your birthright of a vote. And uh, and and all lost because of uh, the Esau Act of Tennessee. Wow. So, yeah, it's pretty creepy. Well, uh, keep giving those radio hosts hell and uh, and make them agree with you when you when you give them the right information. Okay. Otherwise, yeah, they'll just hang up on you. Well, the Tennessee station. I started it out almost exactly describing it as the Esau Act, and man, you can't believe it. For an hour and a half, they got caller after caller that agreed. Mm. And this is uh, a town, you know, somewhere in between Nashville and Memphis. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the town, but I I talked about it last week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, you know, anybody. Could, all I had to start saying was, that, you know, and next thing you can remember is the company town where uh, everybody's thrown in jail, and then the uh, boss man hires everybody out for yeah. know, penny an hour. Yeah, that, that's been in my CRT uh, episodes that. Uh, they've done the people uh, from time, uh, again, from, from the end of slavery on, uh, and they would do that, arrest them for vagrancy or something like that, and then hire them out to the local mill or sure. miners and all that stuff. David, thank you. I appreciate it, man. No problem. That's part of the Council on National Policy. All right. <laughs> Take care. All right. You too. 866-391-1020. That's our number. I'm Chris Moore. Back with more of your calls in just a moment. KDK Radio News Time, 5.51. Oh, in two seconds, it'll be 5.52. It's 5.52. Let's go to the phones. Chuck in Pittsburgh, you're on KDK. Yeah, how are you, Chris? Real fine. service. Thank you. Yeah, I had an idea uh, just driving along here about maybe to change some of the senators, congressmen's minds about uh, the shootings. They see pictures every day of the kids that got killed. We all see them on the news. Show the senators and the congressmen the actual pictures of carnage from the school class, from the schoolroom, that their faces are shot off, shot off and legs blown off and things like that. I, I have a feeling that probably faint a lot of them. Some would probably throw up and maybe change their mind about that weapon. You know, I said something similar about that, about war, uh, when Ukraine first started. Right. And, and I was seeing um, some of the carnage of war and having seen it up close and personal also. Right. Um, and I got all sorts of calls uh, about... Uh, 
how people didn't think that that would make much of a difference, to tell you the truth. But, uh, you know, at this point, I'm willing to try anything. I, I don't think it's a bad idea. Exactly. I'm telling you, I, I, I mean, I just can't imagine these children. They couldn't even identify them except with DNA. So how, 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 how oh, that's just, they just got to get rid of that weapon. Got to get rid of that weapon. That's, that's, that's terrible. But anyhow, that was my thought. And uh, hopefully maybe it'll, it'll get on a roll here. All right. Thank you, Chuck. All right, thank you. All thank right. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, you know, I suggested that same thing when we were talking about war in Ukraine, but I don't, I don't know. It might have some immediate impact on them, but I don't think it would change their mind because there's too much money flowing in their pockets from the gun lobby. And, and that's where the power is. Uh, you know, if Ceasefire cease Pennsylvania had the kind of money that the gun lobby had, maybe they could make some inroads. Let's go all the way to California. Ron, you're on Kitty K. Well, uh, good afternoon. I've um, been listening. Uh, I'm curious. I, uh, with students in service out of San Francisco, went to San Antonio and uh, helped with an organization there in San Antonio, which uh, focused years back on uh, HIV testing consciousness, and they were basically learning uh, in the area that we were in for uh, its relationship with India and being English-speaking so that India would uh, uh, bring about a greater consciousness of HIV testing. And that, like, that's decades ago now. But in thinking about that in San Antonio, uh, and seeing the clips of the news conference with the governor and the mayor of the township, uh, and they, uh, that's, uh, or, 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 or that fellow there who was, uh, in Texas is a politician challenging that, uh, school, that, that press conference. Uh, I was curious, uh, would, would have that taken place? And this is just a speculative statement. Uh, well, that's all right. Uh, all, a lot of us have been speculating today, so you you go right ahead and speculate, too. <laughs> uh, I usually try to stick to facts, and in this case, it's hard to evidence what, what the speculation is. Uh, no. But uh, when I hear that, they, they didn't follow the protocols that would have been done, and they didn't have an officer on site. Uh, I mean, an officer on site with a direct contact to any situational circumstance made have made a big difference but aside from that i'm curious with all that waiting time who was the police department who were the local authorities uh, under and that would have been the mayor i expect in the final analysis and then of course the governor but the mayor and the local in the region why did they wait that much time and would work for the other schools that i know of in in say san antonio i don't know what other schools are in that township but what the populist the majority of students being uh, hispanic would that have occurred, that time lag, other than the protocol being used in a, in, a, in a majority white school? Well, you're not the first to make that speculation. Many of the parents have, have said as much. Uh, there are also questions about why are they collecting the DNA. There have been episodes like with some of these New York shooters where people who were in this country illegally uh, gave their cell phone numbers and some information uh, on these shooters to help the police arrest them, and then they got turned over to immigration authorities and and deported. Uh, it, it you know so I think this is one reason why sometimes immigrants do not 
um, um, cooperate with the police. So there, there's a lot of speculation on, around this area. Why collect DNA? Were these kids that heavily damaged, or is there another subterranean motive to do it so they'll know well, who these people are and deport them if, if they are illegal? It's called banking identity. Uh, the, on the other end of this, up in Nevada, where I'm in right now in, in California, Northern California, I have a friend, a school board member. Uh, her name is Maria, Spanish descent. The only uh, one on the seven school board member who used to vote on everything, even voted that, that she wanted to see an officer stay on site in the schools because the uniform, she said, was, was in part a deterrent, and that person would be most competent to call for the right response. But she was outvoted. She was the only one that voted for that attendance. And other conservative moves, uh, though she was at one time a Republican, she's an independent now. But when Novato, this nice Democratic community with some Republicans left, said that they wanted to district their area, which was never dis didn't district, didn't define different uh, voting area, they actually cut this person, Maria, the school board member, out of it so that she would be out at the end of her term in December after 10 years. She can run again in two, but that's a, like redistricting design. That was, we, that, I'm hearing the, the, the bad Republicans all across country are redistricting. Yeah, maybe they are. But what about the Democrats in joining together and creating a district which puts out the only dissenter, which happened to be known to be a Republican, though changed her position now? What about that? We've got this going on on both sides that we need to look at. Well, I, I think I think it does go on, on both sides when Democrats are in power. But who has power now? And it is the Republicans in at least 18 states that are doing this kind of shenanigans with district redistricting uh, and getting people uh, put out of office. They tried it here with Summer Lee. Uh, they, they've tried so many different things. Uh, to affect uh, the election results, and these shenanigans are going to go on forever, depending on who's in power. Well, I understand that, and I think, though, that if now we start to go, wait a minute, it doesn't matter if who's on first base <laughs> or going to be I on don't second know. base. <laughs> second <Yeah>. base. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that it might be time that we say let's cut out uh, what the what the party is and go to the people and focus on the people. When we if we could focus on those who are making bad decisions, uh, maybe we can reform them. And if we can't, maybe we can uh, kind of deform their power. In other words, well, eliminate I'm, them from office. I'm hearing all sorts of calls for third parties again. Uh, that's raising its head again. Uh, I don't know exactly if that's going to be achievable, if enough people are going to get involved with it. I'm hearing calls. Uh, Pennsylvania is one of nine states across the country that does not have uh, an open primary where anybody who's an independent could vote. And a lot of people feel very strongly in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania that they should not be able to vote unless they declare themselves a member of the a particular party. Um, I would be for open primaries, to tell you the truth. Well, you're, you're, you're right on, sir, and you're in a position to, to help bring that exposure and uh, appreciate this time for the conversation. Thank you. All right. Thank you. 866-391-1020 is the number. I'm Chris Moore. We'll be right back.